Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today our topic is children killed by drunk drivers, and I am so pleased to have as my guest Glenn Birch, National President of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, MAD. Glenn's election this year as National President of MAD makes him the first male and first minority president in the organization's 25-year history. On May 3, 1988, Glenn's son Courtney was killed, hit and killed by a drunk driver whose blood level was 2.26 and was driving with a revoked license and three prior DUI convictions. Glenn has been volunteering his time and talents for more than 15 years, advancing MED's mission at the local and state and national levels. And now, Glenn, we were talking about it, has been made the national president, and now this is, you're into a paid position, right, Glenn? Yes, that's correct. Uh, so uh, congratulations on your job. It's really fantastic. Well, thank you, Gloria. It's quite an honor to be national president knowing the history of how many lives Matt has helped save over the years. So it is truly an honor. Well, could you tell us a little bit about uh, getting into Matt? How did it happen? And uh, I know with your son Courtney's death, tell us a little bit about the whole experience. Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, it was May 3rd, 1988, and it, 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 again, it seems like it was just yesterday when uh, Courtney was being babysat by his grandmother. He and two cousins heard the uh, alluring sound of an ice cream truck in the neighborhood. He was 21 months young, followed the two cousins outside, and as he, he was about to cross the street, a car came barreling through going over 70 miles per hour in a residential area struck his body, drug his body over 150 feet before the car finally came to a stop, and obviously Courtney died instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was devastating. Uh, you know, my wife at the time was on her way to pick him up, um, and uh, not being able to get there because the streets were blocked off, emergency vehicles and everything, and noticing a helicopter landing in the street, and then finally making it through the crowd and seeing that it was her precious, as we called it, um, taken to the helicopter and then airlifted away. Oh my goodness! And and grandma, I know you're a grandpa, and I'm a grandma. Yeah. And uh, what a thing. Yeah. So um, I guess it was a blessing for me not to know what had happened until I finally reached the hospital that night. Um, uh, it was probably I think two and a half hours later, and that's when they sat me down and told me that my youngest son uh, Courtney didn't survive, and uh, you know then that. Uh, Another life began. As I look back, uh, it was totally a, a different type of life that myself would have as well as my family. Um, a life you know, that you hadn't planned. Correct, yeah. You know, it, it didn't hit me till the next day when I read the newspaper. My neighbor brought the newspaper to me, um, and that's when I saw that the driver who had killed my son, I thought it was an accident. Uh-huh. Um, I, and I, really, I... They told, they told me what happened. I can imagine what took place. But when I read in the newspaper that the driver of the vehicle was a repeat offender, he had been arrested three times previously, had a BAC, as you mentioned, a .26, which is three times the limit, and was driving on a, a revoked license. You begin That's to understand yeah, why people are shocked and angered. I, why is this guy, first of all, out of jail, let alone in a car? 
Right. And what came up for you when you read that? I mean, you must have just, was it anger, shock? You know, you're in shock anyway. It's only yeah. that day, right? I think all of it. Anger and shock. But, you know, at the same time, you're grieving. Right, exactly. And uh, knowing my son's gone, and it still hasn't hit me, because that day I had to go with a friend to go to the morgue to identify the body. You know, the damage is so good, too, so much to his head. None of my family members saw his body. Uh-huh. So we had to go with a friend to identify it. And I'm thinking the whole night, you know, hey, if it's to identify the body, a body, maybe it wasn't my son. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it doesn't hit you yet, no. Right, yeah, you're still in denial. The body has a way of protecting itself and the mind, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, So that's basically how I kind of, um, I'll I'll say shortly after that, my attorney suggested I call MAD. Now, did you see, pardon me, did you see him before you read it in the paper? Did you identify the body before or after? Um, It was the next day. But did you read the paper before you went to identify the body or after? Yes, before. Oh, my goodness. So you had me identify the body and you read. So there's some awareness coming there. You read that this child has been killed. That's your child. Yeah. And and you haven't even seen him yet. And you're thinking, well, maybe it wasn't him as you go there. Wow. Yeah. So, of course, reality starts to hit you, you know, every minute, every hour. (laughs) The hints that it is real. Um, and yeah, like I said, going there to the, the, the morgue and seeing my friend come out of the room and seeing his face and knowing it's bad news. Right. Did you see him or did you, just your friend? Just my friend. Uh huh. Yeah. And he came out and, and told you and, and you saw him. Did you hug him? Did he hug you or were you? Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was, um, again, the pastor from my church that, uh, was there with me. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, then you start to think, God, what is going on? And you try to start um, putting your life together. And, you know, again, you go through the steps of, of planning for the funeral and um, and then also making plans to see if you can make a difference in courts because this guy, hey, what's he doing in, out of jail anyway? you gotta, right. you got to fight back. So it's kind of two minds. One mind is grieving terribly and the other mind's planning <laughs> yeah and and that's tough I, I it's hard to describe but uh you know maybe people you know people don't realize what you have to actually go through the grieving and then also keeping a a, a mind enough to make it make a difference in the court and mm-hmm. that's what you have to do is stay strong mm-hmm. uh so yeah, uh, yeah that's incredible that's a challenge have, have to stay strong so your lawyer suggested that you get in touch with matt the very next day yeah, well, I, it, I, I said within that week, within mm-hmm. that week, um, and it's, it's probably the best advice he, anyone's given me because I did make the phone call, and I'm thinking, you know, Lena, who was my wife, her and I would go down there, mothers against drunk driving. I'm thinking, yeah, you need to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, having seen my son being airlifted, she was devastated. Oh, yes. Yeah, she, she couldn't make it uh, to that meeting. So she saw them pick him up and put him in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh so um I And they didn't take her with them, obviously, right? In the arrest. And correct. so she just sees him fly up in the air. That's gotta be very tough. Very yeah. tough. So once we made that contact with Mad, um uh, they showed compassion. I met two women who lost their daughters, both of them were young, I'd say 20 and, between the age of 20 and 22, the president of MAD and also the victim advocate named Janet. And Janet and I connected that day, and she kind of helped me, allowed me to grieve. 
Uh, something that I was not able to do through that week, going through the funeral and, you know, everyone telling you as a man, you got to stay strong for your family. Right. Um, and, and she allowed me to cry. Uh-huh. Gave you that space. Yeah, and the hugs and, oh, man, it was so comforting to have somebody that understood what I was about to go through. Even though she was a woman, she understood what I was about to have to, uh, uh, the grieving, you know, journey that I would have to take. So, Yes, it's not just at the moment, is it? It's the no. journey. Yes. I don't uh, know that much about Matt because my son was killed uh, not in, a, in an automobile accident but um, with no drunk driving involved. But could you tell me what it would be like for our listeners to go to a meeting and how often do they meet and uh, what is that like? Sure. And, again, I'm sorry for your loss and, and know oh, that you, you understand about surviving. And that's one thing that really stands out in my mind when I made my first contact with Mad and my victim advocate, whose name was Janet Dedekin, is she let me know convincingly that I can survive this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I understood that and felt comfortable is because she had survived by losing her daughter as well. And you and that, saw her there and knew that we could make it. It, yes, I mean, she really gave me the comfort level to understand that. And again, it's nothing that happened in one visit or two visits, but several visits that brought me to a comfort level to come back. Uh, it was inviting for me to come back because I knew I could get something from the meetings there. And that's what is so important about MAD because we help survivors survive, and that's what she did for me. And those meetings um, are... How often are they? they well, it all depends on... Um, where you are in the chapter. Generally, we have meetings every uh, every month, once a month. Um, and you can go to the MAD office, though, any day, at any time, and, and, and share time with the victim advocate as you may need it. Uh, so individually, we have a trained victim advocate that can assist, uh, you know, with the emotional support, also give more information, uh, be it through court procedures that you're needing, or just information on how you can survive. Obviously, financially, it may hurt you because of the, the funeral costs and expenses. You may be uh, out of work for a few months or several months, and mm-hmm. you may have incurred injuries that may take you out of work. And they can give you information on how to uh, get financial aid and support during your hardships. And you have what six hundred chapter? Is that how many offices do you have around the United yeah, States? Yeah, around the United States. You're right. It's, it's about six hundred different chapters. Uh-huh. Um, and, and people so, would go on the web to find out how to. Yes, they can uh, at www.mad.org, and we have over twelve hundred trained victim advocates um, nationwide that can assist. Mm-hmm. And while I'm at it, I want to make sure I mention a phone number that's new okay. that we just started this year, and it's. Um, 24 hours, seven days a week. It's one eight seven seven Mad Help. M A D D H E L P. And a, a trained uh, advocate or counselor will be on the phone to assist them, and uh, that way we can direct uh, them where to go uh, locally and, and get the help from Mad. So uh, we want to be there. Okay, and we'll mention that again at the end of the show. Um, Glenn, could you talk about your court experience a little bit? Sure. Um, Matt was there every step of the way. They helped me, first of all, going to court. That was the first time I've ever experienced court other than a traffic ticket. Um, It's scary. Mm-hmm. However, an advocate being there side by side with me every day helped me. They were there to... Uh, 
assist me with a victim impact statement, um, which gives me the right to tell the judge how my life was impacted, how the offender impacted my family's life. And, and uh, so I hear, have a, a, a say in court, and they help me uh, write the statement and, and uh, so I can address the court system. Um, and being there with the support of other volunteers, it made a major difference, not only in the court system, but for me, to know that I have somebody to help me with the support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with how that, feel, that uh, pardon, how did you feel about seeing the man who hit your son the first time? Wow, that was tough. Mm-hmm. <sighs> My whole family felt it. I'm very uncomfortable. He had a daughter there as well, and, uh, you know, she thought of him as her father, of course, not doing anything wrong. Uh, but um, it, it was tough looking at him. But uh, we, of course, knew by what Matt was suggesting, make sure that we stayed pretty calm and we would make it through um, and, um, you know, get a, a, a guilty verdict. So it was good seeing the man who did kill my son. It helped it, helped it make, make it more real in our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he wasn't a monster, as most people think. You know, they view this person. He's just uh, an average guy making a bad choice and obviously... His choice caused the death of my son. It's pretty incredible. I was thinking about it, having you on the show, that here's a person who's an alcoholic and who now is not drinking at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's got, I mean, for years he's not drinking anymore. It's it's an interesting idea of the world, isn't it, to think. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking. It's it's very, very strange. Mm -hmm. But um, we've got a caller. Uh, Let's take a call. Okay. We have a call. Hello. Hi. Who am I speaking to? This is Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to Healing the Grieving Heart. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Glenn, it was a pleasure to meet you. I attended the MAD conference in Washington, and I really um, enjoyed the workshops and and the events that they held there. They are truly doing so much work for us. Um, My son was killed two years ago by a drunk driver, a first-time offender. Mm-hmm. Um, my question, uh, of course, the devastation that, that my husband and I have been through. He was our only child, um, and he was 17 and a half years old. Um, what are we doing to prevent this from happening uh, for, for first-time offenders? Um, there's no way that we can put a price on our loss or on the victims uh, who have survived these horrible uh, tragedies or, or accidents, not sorry, crashes. Um, but what are we doing uh, to prevent this from happening from first-time offenders? I mean, I don't know if there's a way that we can do that, but I certainly um, think that they should be looking at that because of the the cost alone. But then, the the you, like I said, you cannot put a, a price on a loss of a person. Mm-hmm. Darlene, before Glenn answers that, I would just want to say I'm very sorry to hear about your loss. My son was 17 also, and it's a horrendous thing, and I, I'm very sorry about that. And, Glenn, could you help her out? Sure, and thanks for calling in, Eileen. Um, uh, two years is, gosh, that's not, just like yesterday. Not, not much time, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because it's, it's not only the repeat offenders that are out there killing. It's first-time offenders. Um, two-thirds are first-time offenders, and we know that first-time offenders doesn't mean that's the first time they were caught. 
Absolutely. And so what we are doing nationally is we're making sure that we have stronger alliance on law enforcement. Um, just talking quickly, is, is sobriety checkpoints, we are heavy on having more publicized um, uh, sobriety checkpoints because it's scientifically uh, based study that shows that they will reduce alcohol fatalities by at least 20%. So it's making sure the driver is aware so they don't get behind the wheel is is the answer. And then, of course, making sure that we have the strong enforcement there. Um, and, you know, we have to make the public understand that it is not that that monster, as I tried to describe a little bit earlier, that uh, that re- repeat offender that's doing all the killing. It's people who are the casual drinkers that make a mistake that one time that put themselves at risk and our kids, you know, at risk. So we are, we are making a difference uh, more so now um, in making sure that the public is aware. Um, it's not just repeat offenders, but everyone um, is at risk. Eileen, thank you so much for calling into the show, and good luck. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you're going to MAD and getting involved with groups. I think it's uh, really important, and uh, later on you might want to try the Compassionate Friends, too. And I've, I've been involved with both. Um, okay. I'm actually a member of the MAD uh, New Hampshire chapter, and, um, uh, you know, now I'm on a mission in memory of my son because no parent should have to go through this. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, blessings on you, and uh, we're there with you, and uh, take care of yourself. Thank you. And thanks Thank for calling you. in. Carl, do we have you on? Yes, I'm still here. Hey, Carl, welcome to the show, Healing the Grieving Heart. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you call in. Um, I know uh, your daughter was killed in uh, a DWI accident. Yes. Uh, my daughter was killed seven and a half years ago. Um, it was a uh, kind of a very complicated situation uh, wherein she was killed by my ex-wife. Uh, uh, she was a passenger in a vehicle operated by my ex-wife. Uh-huh. And you're a highway patrolman, is that right? Yes, I'm a state trooper, and so it kind of adds a little bit more layers of, of uh, complication to it that way. Yeah. Um, Glenn was saying that he thought maybe you're on the cover of something of Matt, is that right? Is that you? Yes. Uh, my daughter's story was uh, picked up by uh, by Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and, and uh, they did a, a initiative on, on child endangerment, which, uh, unfortunately, my daughter's story was, was uh, a perfect fit for uh, impaired drivers transporting children while impaired. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, you know, as you know, very, very sorry to hear about your daughter and everything that's happened. Uh, did you have a question for Glenn or I? Or well, I, I just in? wanted to, to first off say hello, uh, uh-huh. Glenn. I've, I've I've made your acquaintance several years ago. Yes, uh, I remember you. I'm also uh, the had the honor to meet uh, Dr. Horsley, and uh, so it's good to hear both of you together. On, I'm a member of MAD, um, and I'm actively involved in in a lot of things that MAD does both on a state and national level. Um, I'm also a member of Compassionate Friends, and I've similar things on a, on a state and local, on a national level. I've, I've been quite involved with Compassionate Friends. So, number one, I want to offer kudos to you two and all that you do. And um, number two, I, I suppose I just want to uh, offer encouragement because I have certainly in, in my lifetime encountering uh, the death of my child was was uh, 
an experience that that uh, I, I just couldn't have made it through without support groups such as Compassionate Friends and Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Mm-hmm. So your suggestion is there are other folks that are on the line. This is a good good thing to do. Get Absolutely. I, I, uh, in terms of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, um, as a, as a state trooper, I have always needed their their activism in the background uh, because we would have the same frustrations of seeing defendants set free and uh, slack penalties and problems in the courtroom uh, with the, the societal view of impaired driving. And MAD was a, was a forceful. Uh, uh, presence in in getting change in the system, uh, and then when the worst of the worst happened in my life, and I lost my daughter because of this kind of a, an offense, I had to lean heavily first on Mad for uh, support in what do I do next? How do I construct my victim impact statement? How do I even handle this? It's incredible I, that having it be your ex-wife too. I mean, that's yeah. It was, that, that was her her daughter who died in the crash, right? That's correct. Uh, this is Glenn Carl, and again, thank you for being on the call. And I tell you, your story is incredible, but it's a major inspiration for others that are out there um, to know that you can survive. I've met you, uh, you know, many times, and I tell you, you see your, you know, your your child on the cover is an inspiration to me. Knowing, first of all, that. You were an officer that sees what happens out there in the highways. Secondly, having your, your, your wife be the person who killed your loved one and to battle that and still go on and make a difference and be a survivor as well is all a true inspiration for the, all the callers that are listening now that you can make it, you can survive. And it's not an easy journey, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell them that. Uh, however, you are really a, a true inspiration, and thanks for being on the call and keeping up your work. And your efforts are saving hundreds of lives, I'm sure, um, because of the message. You know, the, the, the child does not um, have a choice, and every child deserves a designated driver, a driver who is sober, and you're getting out that message uh, with your story. And, again, um, thanks for calling in, but you're an inspiration for me. You are for me, too, Carl. You're a great guy, and thank you so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. All right. Um, I think we have another caller now, Joan from New York. Joan, are you there? Yes. Good morning, Hi, Joan. Corey. Welcome to Healing the Grieving Heart. I thank you for taking my phone call. Um, our younger son was killed in a car crash involving a driver with a blood alcohol of 0.24. Oh, and we attended the MAD meetings, both the chapter meetings and the support meetings that they offered. And our MAD advocate, which was Sue, uh, was very helpful. Well, two years passed before the case of the state versus the driver went to court. At the end of the trial, the jurors found the impaired driver guilty of DUI, but not guilty of vehicular homicide. And I can't even have words that express how devastated our family was that the criminal justice system failed because this man was not held accountable for his actions when he made the choice to drink and drive that night that resulted in our son's death. 
we quit attending MAD meetings because we did not feel like we belonged anymore because of the verdict. And now when people ask, how did your child die, I can't, um, just to be politically correct, I can't say a drunk driver killed my son for fear that he or his family could sue us. And I'm just wondering, um, there's probably no easy answer for that of how you answer a question. It's almost like when you meet somebody and they say, how many children do you have? Um, my other question is, do you have any suggestions or advice as to how a person can work through their hurt, anger, and disappointment and the helplessness after going through the legal system as we did? Well, Joan, first of all, I want to say I'm very, very sorry about your loss and uh, your journey, and uh, thank you so much for calling the show. And, Glenn, there are a couple of really tough questions, and what a tough story. Do you yes. want to make Yes, I do. And, again, I, I do uh, empathize with uh, your hurt and your pain. And you brought up a good point because often a, a, a uh, guilty verdict brings a little closure on the court system because you, you did win something. And uh, having not closure, it, it, you know, I, I'm sure the struggle and surviving is a little bit tougher. And what I suggest, again, is staying in touch with MAD um, because the victim advocate is there to support you uh, throughout the grieving process. And you need a support system. We want to be part of that support system, but it may... Um, you may need people at home as well with family and friends to help you along with those needs. But staying active and making a, a difference with your story um, is, I think, very positive and fulfilling um, as you're, you're uh, still going through that journey of accepting. And it takes a while to accept, as I mentioned, because you don't have a guilty verdict. But as we know, it's the accepting of the death that we have to really rely on and hope that we can become better survivors instead of the verdict itself. And that, that takes a while. It's, it's a long journey, but I encourage you to keep up the faith and, um, and realize, too, that something positive can truly come out of your efforts, and it will. Now, one of the things that I think uh, Joan has a bit of a problem on, Glenn, is that one of the things that helps us to uh, deal with this and get it straight is telling our story. It sounds like she's having a bit of trouble telling her story because she can't can't blame the person who killed her child uh, mm-hmm. driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it makes her story a little... And she probably wouldn't be able to talk about it at MAD, right? She could talk to her victim's advocate maybe about about her feelings. Would that be a safe place? Or? She, well, we accept... It. Anyone who's going through, yeah, uh, obviously it, it doesn't have to be a, a, a verdict for us to help them. We want to help all the survivors, as many as we can, all victims. Uh, so, yes, we can. she can still get the help from the victim advocate. And it's, it's good to tell your story however the verdict uh, comes out. Right. Um, it's and important you can tell to talk your story about, about that you're angry, but uh, obviously, Joan, the problem with Joan is she has to have special places to tell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes uh, it's good maybe to even have a therapist who has had a child die and has maybe been through it where you can go let it all hang out, where it will be very private. And that was the advice that I that helped me through my grieving is I took uh, the advice of my victim advocate and, and got uh, um, counseling uh, yeah. to help me through that, professional counseling. Yeah, as a therapist, I know sometimes uh, you need the opportunity to keep telling your story over and over and be angry about it and be unreasonable and be every way you want to be. Look at it from every every direction. So you might want to think about that, Joan, if it's still kind of riding you there. 
But thank you very much for calling into the show. And again, uh, good luck. And uh, as as Glenn and I say, we've made it, and we know you can too. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye bye. Well, Glenn, um, I wanted to ask you about uh, your anger. How did you? And I think that's a little bit of what John was talking about. How did you deal with your anger? What happened with it? Uh, after the verdict, you know you. You get that out of the way, um, but then you have to keep living, keep surviving. Um, and as I mentioned to you, I started uh, getting counseling and support with my family and then doing things, looking at how I can help um, and still get that message across about my son's death. And MAD was the perfect venue for me to be able to do that. And one way, again, it was telling and talking about my son's death. And it became more of reality uh, each and every day and every year thereafter. Uh, very painful. I remember going, locking myself up in rooms at times and just wondering, what am I going to do? Uh, but the support group that I have with my contact with my family and all helped me make it through it each day um, thereafter. So I had a way of talking about it, and Matt gave me that avenue of to continue to talk about it. And that was in front of people who were offenders, who were court sentenced to hear my story and how it's affected my life. And that's really what happened over the years. I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands that our victim advocates are just waiting to help as many victims as we can, be it injured or bereaved. Um, again, we can have the number one eight seven seven mad help uh, where they can call and talk to us. You want and to repeat that once more for me? Sure. one eight seven seven. Mad Help is the number that you can contact us uh, 24 hours, seven days a week. And I'm sure they can get that on the web too, right? Yes. Yeah. And what mad. would they go to the web for? Uh, mad.org for anything and everything they want to know about Mad. Um, it covers our victim services as well and outlines what we can and how we can help. And we're talking about moving beyond the anger, the anger of after you come to realization that your son or daughter or whomever has been killed. And how MAD, for example, can help. And I know speaking about my son's story was one way. Um, helping people with victim advocacy is another way. You know, I'm certified to help as, as well. But then there's legislation work that we could, you know, people who are interested in, in, in helping us in that way or volunteering their time. And there's many, many things that they can do uh, to help them move beyond the anger and help and remember their loved one in a positive way. We just want to be there and help them as much as we can. Uh, so uh, it's an organization that has, uh, again, many affiliates out there across the nation, and uh, it's almost been our best-kept secret because I, as I travel throughout the U.S., lots of folks don't understand that we've offered the free victim services. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that. I knew you did a lot of legislation, and I, I know some of the things that you've really been responsible for in your success are the designated driver idea. Mm-hmm. That came from MAD, I, yeah. I heard. We've made then, that a household name now. Yeah, and now we all know what it is. Let's find a designated driver and hand me your keys and, you know, all those kinds of things that we're all aware of now. And then the minimum drinking age yeah. in the United States is, what, now 21? 21 now. And every state has the, the .08 as the illegal limit. Uh, uh, so that, that What was it before sure. you started? Uh, it was um, .10. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've 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 come a long ways on that, and I hope with it being our 25th anniversary and the first dad to be national president, that people understand that we're not an organization of just mothers, mm-hmm. we're fathers, uncles, aunts, 
children, anyone uh, who is a concerned citizen and victims can be a part of our organization and we can make a difference. It's going to take all of us to make a difference. Now, how was it? How did it impact you being a male and an Afro-American attending your first meeting? Was there any? Was it any different for you? Or? I was hesitant because of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, the name, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and uh, any time I saw Matt on national television, it was a spokeswoman, uh, a mother. Uh, so I was surprised to to know that they accepted men, and uh, you know, again, it's just the, the first thinking, the first impression. And uh, minorities, we have diverse um, outreach for anyone, and so by me being a minority, I hope that people understand that we're there for everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I was hesitant at first <laughs> because of the name, but uh, men have been, our, our makeup is about 60-40, 60% women, 40% men. Uh, men are involved, and, and uh, men hurt as well, but men also want to find the solution. Uh, so that you see them a little different, they're, they're planning and working on solution more than women, in your, would you say, or? I'm sorry. I didn't how do you, how do men cope with loss? And is it different than women? Yes, it is different. And we have even uh, with our support groups, support groups for men, um, because men do grieve differently than women. Children grieve differently than adults. Uh, so we have to recognize that and uh, and look at it and how we can improve and and accept them. As I mentioned, it, it's men can't cry. Mm-hmm. As they as they say, but we all know everyone's human, and we we cry, we hurt, just like any other human being, and uh, so we've got to be able to have the support groups and support systems out there as well. Now, I wanted to get back to a little Courtney. Um, do you have any rituals that your family does to remember Courtney? You know, I journal every so often, and I go by um, when I'm home. <laughs> I may think about him and find myself going by his grave probably, you know, it's not an average. I may go by there um, once or twice a month or maybe a few months that pass, but whenever I think about him very strongly, I go there. When I go through grocery stores, his favorite fruit was bananas. Uh, I've got to walk through the bananas. Right. And I'm smiling, and I'll get me one or two bananas, and I'll buy them just so I can take it home and just remember how he used to stuff that whole banana in his mouth. So, you know, there's good good uh, feelings and remembrances that I have that I'll always cherish, and those are the things that helped me survive over the years is remembering the good memories uh, about him. If you had one suggestion to give to other people who have recently lost a child, what would it be? I would say keep the faith and realize that you can survive and find a support system to help you survive. I wish there were more out there, uh, and I w- again, uh, Matt is there, and I want everyone to realize that we're waiting for them, and if we can help, we will. Uh, we want to. So please, get a support system, no matter where uh, it, it is, be it your family or, or counseling, professional counseling, or a group like Mothers Against Strong Driving. And Compassionate Friends is also out there for you. Absolutely. They're, they're great friends with Matt. Well, it's time to close our show. And, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, it's a wonderful thing to know that you're there as National President of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, Matt. And I want to say that um, we uh, know that Courtney must have been a very, very, and is a very special little guy. And uh, I want all my, I know all my listeners and I want to thank you for volunteering your time and talents and now in a paid position for MAD. And thank you so much for being on the show. 
You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.